concerned about my generation because my generation has a tendency to reveal what ought to be concealed. And conceal what ought to be revealed. And some of the people with the loudest mouths will use their mouth to talk about everything except the goodness of God. People tend to today rally their conversation around the negative, things that encourage no one or edify no one. They talk what amounts to be a whole lot of nothing, and they talk it loudly. And yet when an opportunity comes up to share the goodness of God, all of a sudden loudmouth gets quiet. An opportunity to be positive, an opportunity to testify. And a lot of times people think, well, I'm waiting on something good to happen to me. You will always have both options. You can always share negativity or choose to share positivity. You can always share doubt or choose to share faith. It is a choice what you share and what you put out. I'm concerned with some church members that I see posting all kind of negative, faithless junk on social media, sharing all kind of uh, politically incendiary comments and remarks and fighting with people who have a different political view than you. It seems that we've lost the core of the gospel, which is to love your neighbor and to operate in forgiveness because we have a bleeding, dying Savior that told us his one commandment and wish for us was that we love each other and take care of each other, that we love neighbors regardless of their race or their political affiliation or their assignment, whatever they are. You are supposed to love your neighbor and yet if you want to see vitriol if you want to see hate turn on the news turn on your social media feed and you will be flooded with all kinds of negativity and a lot of that stuff should be kept to yourself when the reality is many of us have been blessed by God saved by his blood redeemed by his cross Yet, if you examine our conversation, you'll find that he's been a lot better to us than the praise he's received. He's been a lot better to us than our conversation reveals. He's been a lot better to us than how we have demonstrated his goodness. In fact, the only people who are qualified to sit quiet in church and not praise the Lord are the people that he's done nothing for. If God has done something for you, you are commanded by the scripture every time you come into his house to clap your hands and give him praise and open your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. I didn't deserve it, but you bless me anyway. I didn't deserve it, but you heal me anyway. I didn't deserve it, but you raise me up anyway and I got out of bed this morning and drove down here not to be silent but to make some noise some positive noise I didn't come to stir up controversy or stir in negative mess I came to say God's been good to me yes I have problems yes I have weaknesses yes I have flaws but I also have something else I have the blessing of God flowing in my life death hadn't caught me yet my issues haven't sunk me yet and since I'm still alive I'm gonna make some noise and let everybody know around me I'm one of the blessed ones I'm one of the healed ones I'm one of the saved ones I'm one of the elevated ones I'm one of the ones that's been touched by a power.
That's why the scripture said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What you say reveals what you have experienced. What you say reveals what you have experienced. And some of y'all have been talking like you've never experienced grace, talking like you've never experienced mercy, talking like you've never experienced faith, going through a little trial and using the trial as an excuse to let off a bunch of negative steam. I've come to tell you the just shall always live by faith, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but if we'll keep on walking by faith, none of the trials that you are in right now have the power to hold you. None of the darkness that you're in right now has the power to keep the sun of righteousness from rising over your life. You will get through this. Put your eyes on Jesus and shut your mouth to the negative stuff and you will see a victory. You will see a miracle. You will see the Red Sea part. You will see a healing. You will see strength emerge out of your struggle. You will see the other side of this valley. But we haven't learned to put masking tape over our mouth when we walk through dark days. And so we reveal what we ought to conceal and we conceal what we ought to reveal. And sometimes we magnify everything except Jesus in our conversation. Jesus in our text is going through a difficult experience as his ministry is beginning to spread through the earth. Jesus did not come primarily to heal. He did not come primarily to raise the dead. He did not come primarily to open up blinded eyes or turn water into wine or multiply fish and bread. Jesus came, number one, to die as an atonement sacrifice so that the Father could forgive and release any soul that believed in him into the kingdom of heaven and free them from the chains of sin and death. That was his primary purpose. Secondly, he came to preach and teach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. But Jesus was getting real famous real fast, not for his message, not for his preaching, not for his teaching, Word got out that he was at a wedding party and he turned water into wine. And the more people that heard it, the more people wanted to have a wine tasting at the service of the Lord. People heard that he multiplied bread and fish and fed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And when they heard that, they decided they wanted a free fish sandwich courtesy of the Lord. Word got out that he was healing people everywhere he went. That any diseased person that came in the presence of Jesus got supernaturally instantly healed. And so anybody that had a toothache or a cancer in their body flocked to Jesus to try to get their needs met. They didn't want who he was. They wanted what he had. The crowds were thronging him to where he couldn't even move in a city. Not to hear his word. Not to discover his purpose. They wanted what they could get out of him. 
And if you do anything successful in life, if you elevate to any high mark in life, you will have to bear that burden where people flock to you and want to connect to you, not because of who you are, but because of what you can do. If you start a business and your business is successful, watch how people change. They will flock to you, not because of who you are, but because of what you can do for them. If you're the strong person in your family and everybody leans on you, it's a painful emotional experience because all of a sudden you start wondering, do you love me for what I am or do you love me for what I have? And when you have to start asking yourself the question about so many people in your life, do you love me for what I am or do you love me for what I have? It makes you want to go into a solitary place. It makes you want to get away from people. I want to dedicate the next two minutes of this service to people who are sick and tired of people. calling you all the time, blowing you up all the time, asking to borrow money all the time, calling you when they're depressed all the time, like you don't ever get depressed, like you don't have problems, like you don't ever get down, like you don't ever need a day off, like you don't ever need a break. And sometimes being the strong one in your circle can feel like a curse because everybody comes to you with their hand out ready to draw from what you have, not concerned with who you are, only concerned with what you can do for them. Now, if you feel like that, Jesus felt like that too. So in the text, it starts verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place. I just need some space. Have you ever been in a season of your life where you just wanted to be by yourself? I tell you this about Jason Sides, I don't mind being by myself. Oh, Lord Jesus, the peace I get when I can have a few moments by myself. I wake up in the morning every day at 4 o'clock, about two hours before everybody else in the house wakes up. And I don't wake up that early because I'm just a natural early riser. I wake up that early because for two hours, I can be somewhere by myself. And when people have exhausted you and pulled everything in the world out of you, sometimes the best prescription is to get somewhere by yourself in prayer and alone with God. So Jesus, he got up and he went to a solitary place where he prayed. Verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him. Couldn't even give him a few hours to be by himself. He's up praying in a solitary place and they get up and they go look for him. And when they found him, verse 37, they exclaimed, meaning they were happy about this. They were shouting about this. They exclaimed it. They said, everyone is looking for you. They thought it was a good thing. They thought it was a positive thing. Hey, everybody wants to see you. Not realizing that when crowds of people come with the wrong motives, it's not a blessing. It's a drain. So they said, everyone is looking for you. Verse 38, watch what Jesus said. Well, then let's go somewhere else. If everybody in the city is looking for me, tell you what, let's go somewhere else. And uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll preach there because that is why. That, that's why I've come. I'm glad you got a healing. I'm glad you got your blind eyes open. I'm, I'm glad you got a miracle. I'm glad you got to taste wine made from heaven. I'm glad you got to have the bread and the fish. I, I'm glad. But really, that, that's not why I've come. As how many know you can get a healing in your body and your soul still be sick? You can get your blind eyes open and still have no vision on the inside. Okay. So he's frustrated by the people's motives. So he says, let's go somewhere else. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Verse 40. You got to understand verse 40. Jesus is traveling through the cities. And to go from one city to the other, you have to go all the way to the edge, to the outskirts of one city in order to enter another. So he's traveling through the outskirts. And in Bible days, the outskirts of the city were lined with leprous people. Leprosy was a contagious muscle and skin disease. It started underneath the skin, and it began to cause you to rot from the inside out. Not only was it an infectious disease, it was a contagious disease. You could catch it by touching someone that had it. So they banned lepers from their cities so that a large amount of the populace wouldn't catch the disease. They clumped them all together and they made them live outside the city. And then they gave them, the cities furnished these, they gave them leper bells so that if they came within 100 feet, of a well person, they would have to ring the bell and announce to the well person, hey, I'm unclean, don't get near me. I'm unclean, don't touch me. I'm unclean, stay away from me. So the man is ostracized by his society. He's an outcast. He's rejected because he has an inward condition that manifests outwardly. He has a condition that he does not want to reveal, but he cannot conceal. It's one thing to have an issue. It's another thing to have an issue so bad you can't hide it. He had to declare he was unclean to every person that he interacted with. And he's forced to reveal the most broken, wounded part of himself. Bringing up the issue that there are some people that cannot hide their trouble. There are some people that everywhere they go, what they're going through is written all over them. And the shame that you have to go through when your struggle is written all over you and you have to broadcast a very private problem in a very public way is so difficult. And before you throw stones at people and before you judge people because of their outward problems that are so bad they can't hide them, Remember the only reason that your problems haven't taken over, the only reason that we don't see exactly what you're going through when you walk down the street, the only reason your problem hasn't gotten so bad you can no longer disguise it is because to this point, God's grace has kept you covered. 
To this point, God hasn't let that issue get out of hand. To this point, God hasn't let it overwhelm you. But people in glass houses should never throw stones. If it wasn't for the grace of God and the kindness of God, every single one of us in here have something that would have embarrassed us, that we'd have had to walk around around our neck, that we'd have had to walk around and broadcast to everybody. Every person in here has something that the blood of Jesus has covered, that the blood of Jesus has forgiven you from, that the blood of Jesus has shielded you from. Every single person in here has one main need of the blood of Jesus, one main need of why Jesus died for you. And just because your problem hasn't taken over yet, it gives you no license to stand back underneath the cover of gray skirts and throw stones at other people who have brokenness in their lives to the point that they cannot disguise it and hide it. Be merciful every chance you get. Be merciful every time you you encounter someone who is broken on the outside and they can't hide their trouble because if not for the grace of God, you would be in the same circumstance. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him. I love the text. A man with leprosy came to him. Leprosy in the prophetic world is a type and a symbol of sin. Leprosy eats the victim from the inside out, so does sin. Leprosy causes you to rot while you're walking, so does sin. But a man with leprosy came to Jesus. And he came to Jesus because of an, an invisible character in the text. I want to lift this up for your consideration in the text we're reading. There's an invisible character that we don't read about that is not named. And that character is the person who told this man that Jesus had the power to heal lepers. Because when the man came to Jesus, he already had faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So whoever told this man that Jesus could heal lepers deserves to be honored and mentioned in the text. Never take your personal testimony for granted. Somebody might hear what you say that God did for you and go to Jesus for themselves because of what they heard you say about what Jesus did for you. He goes to Jesus. And he got down on his knees, begged him. Notice the statement. If you are willing, you can make me clean. I'll talk about that in a minute. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice Jesus' response, verse 41. Jesus was indignant. A lot of people today kind of have that feeling like that man. What I like about the man and I like about the Bible, it reveals that the man came with two forces working in him at the same time. I have heard faith teachers proclaim that it is impossible for faith and doubt to occupy the same space. But that's what the text said. Because the man came to him in absolute faith. I know you can make me clean. 
and also doubt if you are willing. Put that verse 40 back up there. I want you to see both operating at the same time. He came and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. The man has absolute faith that God can, but he has doubt concerning whether or not God will. Maybe many of you have that same concern in your heart today. You have absolute faith that God can, but you just don't know if he will. And they were both working in the same man at the same time. Faith and doubt. Faith and fear. Do you remember when the man, uh, he brought his son to Jesus and he said, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to them who are, who are able to believe. And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It was faith and doubt in the same man at the same time. This man's the same way he comes to Jesus with faith and doubt in the same man at the same time. And he said, if you are willing. And then his faith kicked in. You can. Make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. And you gotta, you gotta put that right in the text. You gotta divide that word rightly. Jesus was indignant. In other words, what that means is, am I willing? My boy comes up to me the other day. Daddy, do you love me? Do I love you? You have any idea what I've given up out of my life for you? Do you have any idea what it costs to feed you and clothe you and house you? Do you have any idea how many hours that I have spent at the speech therapy office and at the doctor's office? Do you have any idea how many tears I have cried, how many prayers I have prayed? Do you have any idea that if I had to, I would die for you right now, and you're coming up to me, grabbing me on the leg, saying, Daddy, do, you, do I love you? That's the sense when the man comes to Jesus falls down at his feet and said, if you are willing, you can. Am I willing? Do you have any idea how much I love you? Do you have any idea how much I care for you? Do you have any idea why I'm here? Why God manifested himself in the flesh to come in this form? Do you have any idea that God loved you so much he sent me to be the extension of a safety rope? I'm a lifeguard sent from heaven to pull you out of sin and death and sickness. Do you have any idea how much I can do? I love you? Am I willing? Jesus was indignant. And then he reached out his hand. Oh, and he. He touched him. This man was a leper. Declared by the high priest unclean. And the priesthood had a law that Moses wrote that no priest was allowed to touch anything unclean. For if a priest 
would reach out and touch something unclean, Moses said that touching the unclean would defile the priest with the uncleanness of what he touched. And yet Jesus broke his own law and he reached out. Before he said anything to him, he reached out and he touched him. Jesus touched the unclean. Jesus was willing to defile himself by touching the man, and he did. When Jesus touched the leper, it was a prophetic picture of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. He that knew no sin became sin so that we who knew no righteousness could become the righteousness of God by faith in him. When Jesus touched him, when he touched him, he was exchanging with him. He was saying, I'll take on your sin so that you can take on my righteousness. I'll take on your sickness so that you can take on my healing. I'll take on your filth and your shame so that you can take on my peace and my wholeness. I'm not nervous to touch you. I'll trade places with you. We serve a God that doesn't mind getting his hands dirty in order to deliver you. That's what he was doing on the cross. He was becoming your sin. He was becoming your shame. He never committed it, but he did become it so that when he died, he could completely free you from the clutches of sin and death and redeem you unto God and present you as a new creation, righteous in Christ Jesus. And I'm so glad for his word. I'm so glad for his presence. But every now and then, I need a Jesus who doesn't mind touching me. And I want to tell you, we still serve a God that will will touch you when you need it. He won't just sit back and talk to you. Sometimes he'll come right where you are and touch you in the places where you need it most. He said he touched him. And, and then he spoke and said, I am willing. And to those of you, bring that question up again. To those of you who've had that pondering in your heart, I know God can, but I don't know if he will. The word of God is prophesying to you right off those screens. The word of God is prophesying to you right out of my mouth. God said he is willing. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you're praying for, but let me encourage your faith. God says, I am willing. Then he says, be clean. Be clean. And what I love about it, look down at uh, verse 42. It says, immediately the leprosy left him. This was no process. This wasn't something he got a word and he had to walk it out. As soon as Jesus said, be clean, the leprosy just left him. It just left him suddenly. There's some things in your life that are leaving suddenly. Not going to be a big crash. Thunder's not going to roll. Lightning's not going to strike. But there's some depression that's been hounding you for months that's going to leave you 
suddenly. There's some stress deep in your mind, deep in your heart that's just going to leave you suddenly. I feel anxiety attacks just leaving suddenly. I feel things in the soul and in the spirit that have caught you off guard for months, possibly all year this year, that it's just going to leave you suddenly at the combination of the touch of Jesus and the word of Jesus. That thing's just going to leave you suddenly. And then the scripture says the leprosy just, it just, I love that. I love that. I love his way it says that. It just, it just, it just left. It, it just left. There's some stuff in your life that's been going on and you're going to look up and notice that it just, it just left. Touch somebody and say it just left. The, the leprosy just, it just left. Just like that affliction came on you suddenly. I'm talking to somebody who something just came on you suddenly. Just like that affliction came on you suddenly. It's about to just leave. Okay. The leprosy just left him. And he was cleansed. Cleansed. The Greek there says his skin was made whole. No scars from the leprosy. Meaning that what he had went through had no lingering effect. What you've been going through is not going to have a lingering effect. You're not going to be suffering with scars for the next 10 years over what you went through the last five years. Your personality is not going to be marred and changed by what you went through. God's going to bring you out of it, and then you're not going to look like what you went through. In fact, you'll have a hard time getting some people to believe your testimony, because after you go through the fire with God, when you come out, you don't even smell like the smoke of the fire that you were in. He was cleansed. Have you ever had God take you through something that when you get out of it, you don't look like you went through what you went through? You don't smell like you went through what you went through? You don't look like you went through what you went through? He was cleansed, but he can't, even, he can't even say thank you before Jesus grabs him and gives him a strong warning. So he comes to the man, Jesus heals him. Can you imagine how happy he was? He's so excited. He's jumping up and down, and he can't even get his praise on and get his shouting music in before Jesus grabs him. So I'm going to tell you three things that you must do. Number one, next verse, don't tell anybody about this. Why? Because he doesn't want to create another broadcaster going out and telling people about what he can do, creating an appetite for what he has and not what he is. I'm trying to do this thing right. I'm trying to build this ministry right. I'm trying to get this thing on the right trajectory. So listen, I healed you. You got a miracle. But, but please, don't tell anybody about this. You know, just go your way. Now you're healed. Start your life over. Just don't tell anybody about this. Number two, go show yourself to the priest. Now, there was no separation between church and state in Bible days. And the priest was the official that made political decisions for the community, also in charge of uh, all of the 
hospital services, health care, and those kind of things. So it required a priest to excommunicate you from the society and, and label you unclean, that you couldn't live within the community as an infected individual. It also required a priest to reinstate you. So Jesus said, I want you to go back to the priest that excommunicated you and have him examine you so that you can be reinstated and become a functioning member of the community again. In other words, Jesus didn't want this man just traveling the badlands, traveling the in-between spaces, living on the outskirts. He wanted him to go back and re-enroll in society and in the community and become a functioning member. So go back to the priest so that you can be restored to your standing in the community. God didn't just want to bless the man and raise the man up. He wanted the man to be a contributing factor in his community. So don't tell anybody about this. Go show yourself to the priest. And then this strange the strange thing, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. What Jesus is referring to is during the Feast of Tabernacles, incidentally the feast we're in right now, uh, around the Jewish New Year, during the Feast of Tabernacles, Moses told all of the people in Israel that if God has done anything for you this year, if you were in a serious circumstance or condition and God healed you or God opened a door for you or God made something happen for you, if you were in a tight place and God moved on your behalf, then once a year during tabernacles, bring a thank offering to the temple and honor the Lord with a seed, with a sacrifice as, an, as a thank offering for your appreciation. And so Jesus tells the man to go give a thank offering. Three simple instructions. Don't tell anybody about this. Go show yourself to the priest and, um, and take a thank offering with you. Don't tell anybody about this. Go show yourself to the priest and take a thank offering with you. Now, your tithe shows God that you're obedient. But your offering shows him that you're thankful. And, and he said, I want you to go and I want you to present an article of thanksgiving, an example of your gratefulness. And I want you to, to go to the priest and do that. And so, you know, the man goes on his way to the priest and he, he takes his thank offering with him, and he's doing real good with those two instructions. But as he's walking, he starts thinking about how long he's been a leper. As he's walking, he starts thinking about all of the good things God has done for him. As he's walking, he starts thinking about how now he has a future. When they had excommunicated him and given him a death sentence, now he has a future and a hope. When he starts walking, he starts thinking about how kind and merciful it was of Jesus to be willing to touch somebody like him. How God broke his own rules and reached out his hand and touched him. And it started bubbling up so much in his heart that the first person he ran into, he started telling them all about the miracle. And then he got to the next person and the next person and the next person. The scripture says he began to talk freely about it, spreading the news 
And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but had to stay outside in the lonely places. And still, people came to him from everywhere. When God has done something for you, you need to talk about it. When God has blessed you, you need to share about it. Because something powerful about your testimony is when people hear it, though they may not respond in the moment, it's a seed that's planted in their heart that they'll have to carry and live with. And as they're living with the story of how God moved for you, they'll be triggered in their faith to say, if God could do it for them, I believe he could do it for me. Send him up here. Come here. You're not in trouble. Come here. Stand right here. I'm going to talk about you. For those of you that don't know, this is my son, Levi. <laughs> Levi was born four and a half months premature. He was uh, one pound and six ounces. My wedding ring fit around the top part of his thigh. Skull wasn't formed hard enough to prevent injury going through the birth canal. So he was born severely brain damaged. And on one side of his brain, all of the tissue, according to the brain scan, was completely dead. Never walk. Never talk. Never know you're his daddy. <sighs> Be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Never move, be bound to a chair, never go to the bathroom on his own. Cerebral palsy, okay? No chance of survival. But Jesus. He lived in the neonatal ICU the first six months of his life. He had to have brain surgery. His translucent skin, because it hadn't formed yet, was poked with a needle 460 times. He contracted uh, spinal meningitis while in the neonatal ICU. The spinal meningitis, in addition to the brain injury, infected the spinal cord fluid, meaning that he wouldn't be able to walk. He would be paralyzed from the head down, that his hearing and his speaking, even if he could overcome the brain injury, would be rendered impossible. No chance. 
Now, last week, he got a little cough, and we took him to his pediatrician. We got a new pediatrician. We first went to him last year. And the, the pediatrician, the pediatrician, the pediatrician, when he read his chart, started crying. He said, I don't know if you know this, but your boy is a miracle. Yeah. But the most beautiful testimony that I've ever received about my boy came last week. I don't know if you're ready for it. Took him to the doctor because he had a little cough. And during the doctor's visit, he was just horrible. <laughs> Taking all the cotton swabs out of the containers and throwing stuff everywhere, opening up all the drawers and cabinets, you know, sit down. And we're saying sit down every five minutes. And, and the doctor came in and the doctor said, uh, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but, um, you know, we got some options for you, but I, I can already tell your son is uh, ADHD uh, and severe hyperactivity. And, and he said, we have some medication for that. And my wife said, no, um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. And when we, when we heard that hyperactivity, Isn't that, look, 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 look. Isn't that just like God taking a child that was, the prognosis was no activity, inactivity for the rest of his life, no activity. And God took it from no activity to hyper. Go sit down by mommy. Go sit down by mommy. Now, I brought my boy up here to show you. We serve a God of miracles. A God that still touches people. A God that still blesses people. And the truth of the matter is, you got some of those living testimonies in your life. Everybody's got one thing where God proved himself in your life. One moment when God proved himself in your life. One moment that's your X marks the spot moment. I know that moment. I know God did it for me. And I'm just like you. Every now and then I wrestle with doubts. But every time I'm having a low day and I have doubt and faith in the same body, all I have to do is look at my miracle and my miracle reminds me. I don't even have the luxury to doubt. I don't even have the luxury to question. My miracle reminds me that God... We, we told somebody sat down with us you know they've said everything about him I mean when they started with the worst they've just kept going down well you know he's, he's got autism or he's got this or he's got that every negative thing they've said he's just walked right out of it just left him it just fell off of him and but but I but I wanted to share that with you because that's what this leper did everywhere he went he said remember me you remember me Remember how broken I was? You remember how leper, you remember how I was falling apart? Jesus healed me. 
And every time people saw that leper, they had to think about, there's a God in heaven that healed that man that medical science couldn't heal. Something happened to him. And I want to tell you, your story is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. Your testimony does something. It stirs people's faith. And then the other thing I want to tell you is when God's been good to you, when God did something for you that he didn't have to do, I hope you're doing what Jesus told that man. He said, go to the priest or go to the church. I want you to get reinstated. I want you to get back as a member of the community. And in those days, being involved in the church was essential to being involved in the community. He said, I want you to, to go to church and, and I want you to take a thank offering with you. A thank offering is just a token, something you, you take out and you say, God, I want to give you this because I remember how kind you were to me. I remember that moment I was in when I prayed and you answered and I remember how it felt and I just, I want to lift this up to you and, and I want to give you this to say thank you. He said, he said, take you a thank offering with you. So I want to close this service with two things. Number one, I want to tell you no matter what you are looking at, we serve a God who can touch you and speak his word to you until whatever's going on with you has to leave suddenly. And then number two, when God does those things in your life, you ought to always mark it with a thank offering. Today, this offering I'm receiving right now, I know many of you have already given, and you should have, and you'll be blessed for doing it. Those of you that haven't, we're blessing our community on the 31st of this month during an event called Bless Fest where we're giving away a car. We're paying six months of rent relief for two families. We're feeding our whole community on uh, what the world calls Halloween. We call Bless Fest. And we're inviting everyone in the area to come here and to join us in a safe environment where we lift up the name of Jesus and we love on people in his name and by faith in his name. This event is costly. It's expensive. It's costing our church $20,000. And I said, Lord, how are we going to raise the money for it this year? And he said, I, I think you can get up in front of enough thankful people. And I think they'll give. And I think you will too. I think you'll give. God loves you so much. He's given you a free will. So you have a choice. He won't make you do it. But I, I think there's enough thankful people like me. You got a testimony. You got something God did for you that you know was God. And I, I want to encourage all the thankful people right now to get a thank offering in your hand. Get a thank offering in your hand toward Bless Fest. I challenged our leaders earlier today, and they, they took on the biggest brunt of this budget. Many of them gave $500 and $375 seeds. And I'd like to ask the broad membership of our church I'd like to ask you to get $100 or as close to it as you can as a thank offering to the Lord. This will help us be a light and a blessing to our community in what's a dark time for a lot of people. And when you sow into the kingdom of God towards vision that will bless somebody else, heaven rains on that seed and a supernatural return comes to your life. So stand to your feet all over the house. Lord, I thank you for being the kind of God that touches us and speaks your word to us. I thank you for being the kind of God that 
You're so powerful when we simply testify and talk about your goodness. Other people come running to see what it's all about. I pray your word will dwell richly in your people today. I pray the word will minister to them and strengthen them. I pray the word will open doors for them and take them further than they ever dreamed. I pray as they sow into your kingdom that they're blessed, that they're strengthened. And Lord, most of all, I pray you would receive these thank offerings. Everybody lift up your hands and say, receive my thanks. I remember what you did. Receive my thanks. I remember your faithfulness to me. Receive my thanks in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you, Christian world. Come and bring your offerings if you have them. We will see you Wednesday night.